0: Before we get started, Dead and Married would like to thank those very close to our Dead Black Hearts, our patrons.
1: Thank you to William Rush, Karima Rhodes, my best friend and fellow Tom Adkins lover, Gary Horton, Carissa.
0: Jonathan says thank you.
1: Dr. Sexy himself, Kent Morton. Oh, yeah. Kate Lamp, Travis's cowgirl, Lala Thomas, Hey, girl. And last but certainly not least, our friends over at the Pod Mortem Podcast. You can also check out their very own show every Monday on all major platforms.
0: And now, on with the show. Warning, the following show features spoilers and opinions performed either by professionals or under the supervision of professionals. Accordingly, Dead and Married and the producers must insist that no one attempt to recreate or reenact any opinion or fuckery performed on this show.
1: Hey Travis. Hey what? So if Roddy Piper is rowdy, what does that make Roddy McDowell?
0: British. Is Hi right?
1: everybody. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Dead and Married. I'm your host, Ashley.
0: And I'm Travis.
1: And today we're gonna be talking Fright
0: night. Fright night nineteen eighty five.
1: Thank you. You're specs guy, so do yeah, some specs. We gotta be
0: we gotta be specific. <laughs> So 82% on Rotten Tomatoes, 7 out of 10 on IMDb, and 3.6 out of 5 on Letterboxd, whatever that is.
1: I told you it's a ranking system. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Facebook, but for ranking It sounds fake to me. It's (laughs) not. I have one. I just don't use it.
0: Um, In contrast, the 2011 is 72% on Rotten Tomatoes, so this one is 10% better.
1: Good. Well, it should be.
0: Chris Sarandon is 10% better than Colin Farrell. (laughs) And it's a 6.4 out of 10 on IMDb, so still pretty close to 10%. Yeah. I would say it's probably really more than that. I feel like it's more than that.
1: I feel like it's more than that. And like, like I said, the only thing the remake has going for it is David Tennant, so...
0: <laughs> really? Yes. That's that's what you get from that? Yeah. Just him? Yeah. See, because Anton Yelchin is in that one.
1: Uh God I, bless his soul. And I like, his soul, I like
0: Anton Yelchin. Yeah,
1: I do too. I do too. I'm just saying And this... And McLovin
0: was in that one.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying I hold this film in very high esteem. You know
0: what that means? What? Colin Farrell cost him 10%. Because <laughs> the other two guys were really good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and technically, Chris Sarandon was in that one too. Yes, he just I wasn't the he vampire. Had a,
1: he had a cameo.
0: I mean, they had a really good cast for that, and yeah. they didn't make Chris Sarandon the vampire, so it cost him—cost <laughs> him ten percent. Anyway,
1: okay, moving on.
0: <laughs> speaking of Chris Sarandon, oh,
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. No, Don't I just lost my place. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> stall, stall. <laughs> All right, so Chris Sarandon plays Jared Andridge, the primary antagonist. The
1: sexiest vampire
0: ever. William Ragsdale plays Charlie Brewster. The
1: sexiest so, nerd ever. He's
0: so cool. Amanda Beers plays Marcy Darcy. Sorry, that's married <laughs> with children. I mean, Amy Peterson. Roddy McDowell, Woo-hoo! everyone's favorite talking ape, yep. plays Peter Vincent. Uh, and Stephen Joffrey plays Evil Ed. And there's other people in here, too. Like those Billy. Are
1: Bill- Billy, I would say, is also a main character, honey. Oh, yeah.
0: Jonathan Stark <laughs> plays Billy Cole. He's just weird and off putting. Okay. I don't think he's a main character. He just. He
1: is a main character. He kind
0: of skeeves me a little. <laughs> Like, he really did creepy really well. Yeah. He's scarier than Chris Sarandon guess. <laughs> but, yeah. So that's your main cast. Uh, directed by Tom Holland, written by Tom Holland.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I wonder if he made anybody cry while they were making this.
1: Uh, Probably not. He didn't. He wasn't working with any, children. There
0: weren't any children to terrorize. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, uh, was this the first time watched for you? No. Was it the first time you paid attention to
0: it? Yes. Yes. <laughs>
1: So, first impressions, then. That's
0: pretty good. I think, in my mind, it was a funnier movie. Mm -hmm. Like. I think the part that sticks in my mind and the same part that probably sticks in everyone's mind is you're so cool, Brewster. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks about Evil Ed. The thing is, he's not such a huge part of this film. Like He provides, well, he provides the comedy, like 99% of the comedy. Mm-hmm. There's not that much comedy in this. It's a lot more serious than I've remembered it being.
1: I think it's a pretty good blend of a lot of things because it's not just funny. It's not just scary. But it's also, like, there are scenes that, like, legitimately tug at your heartstrings a little bit. And... There are really good moments of suspense. I mean, it's probably one of the sexier vampire films out there. So I think that it blends all of those components so well together, unlike most vampire films. So it's like because Tom Holland made this film to begin with because he grew up, you know, with the Hammer films and Universal Monsters. And... At some point, vampires kind of fell out of fashion and he wanted to, and they were being parodied, he wanted to make a really good vampire movie again. And I think that there's so many of those elements in there from the Hammer films, like the sexiness, like the, the scary, and I just, and it had, with Peter Vincent, it brought that kind of old school feeling to it at the same time. And it wasn't just vampires, you had werewolves in the mix too, so... So I just, in ghouls, it it was just, I don't know. It was really cool. It felt like he threw a bunch of things to see if they would stick at the wall, but they all stuck.
0: Wait a minute. When did werewolves come into this? Evil Ed. He's not a werewolf. He was a vampire.
1: No, he was a wolf. No,
0: vampires can turn into wolves. He turned into a wolf and then the transformation you saw was him turning back into a human.
1: It's not the way I took it, but okay. Look at the lore.
0: I'm just saying.
1: Okay. Vampires okay. are
0: supposed to be able to, according to the lore, turn into wolves and bats and other creatures. He uh, just that's happened true, to turn true. into the, a bat.
1: That's true. You got
0: me. But Besides, he got bitten by a, were- a vampire. God damn. You got me doing uh. it <laughs> He was bitten by a vampire, yes, not a werewolf. Yes, yes.
1: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You got me there. But I'm still going to say that it's one of the best wolf transformations I've seen. It's really sad. It, it It's up that, there. That whole
0: sequence is really sad.
1: Yeah, it's up there with American Werewolf in London and the howling, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, but in my back to my original point, I think in my mind, this was like a campy horror movie that was kind of... Silly, but watching it really paying attention, it's not. It's mm-hmm. not like the. I mean, there's certain tropes or whatever that, that serious, are in there. Honey. I know it's not that serious. It's. I'm just saying, it's a lot more serious. There's more to it than I gave it credit for. How about mm-hmm. that.
1: Okay, that's I had fair. kind of
0: written it off as just sort of a, a throwaway sort of vampire horror movie, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not. It's not that. Yeah. So.
1: Uh well, How my you? my uh first impressions was up all night because that was the first time I ever saw it. Um, I was at a friend's or next door neighbor, best friend's uh, house, having a sleepover. Me, her, and my sister. And I remember we we did that every week. We'd either stay up really late to watch Tales from the Crypt or we'd watch Up All Night. And I remember Fright Night being one of the movies that came on. And I don't really recall really paying close attention to it because, again, sleepover, we were doing other stuff. But I do remember it being on in that initial opening scene of... um, Suddenly I'm doing like you I can't remember names all of a sudden. (laughs) (laughs) No. Amy and Charlie. There we go. (laughs) So yeah. But I, I think I went back and revisited it as an adult and was like, this movie is just fantastic. It's it's so great. And I think that the performances can't be understated enough.
0: Yeah, yeah. See, I I watched a lot of Up All Night, but I didn't watch any of the movies that were on. Up all right, <laughs> you watched Ron sheer Yeah, well, you know every teenage boy just watched Ron sheer That was did it. they? Yeah, I think so.
1: Or I think you did.
0: Maybe it was just me. <laughs> I really doubt it was just me. <laughs> so, I guess story.
1: Yeah. Do you want Do you want to give a plot synopsis to No. The... You
0: want to give a plot synopsis. No. You want
1: to give one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So. Charlie is a creeper. and
1: <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay, let, let me he preface likes this.
0: He watching his neighbor through his binoculars let in me his room because this he's weird.
1: With the fact that Tom Holland was a big fan of Hitchcock. So this was his interpretation of what rear window would be, but with vampires.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so Charlie and Amy are dating... And, well, they're just dating. I would say it's like they want to get serious, but that's a complicated thing that we'll have to get into later. I guess the neighbor's house has been vacant for some time. It finally gets purchased. And at some point, Amy and Charlie are getting ready to get down. And he's like, oh, shit, somebody's moving in. So he completely forgets about the girl who is getting naked in his bed so that he can watch some dude move a casket uh, into the house next door through his binoculars. Poor choices were made here. (laughs) (laughs) Like he, he lacks focus. And I guess it kind of goes from there. He sees weird stuff. He sees um, the neighbor, his Travis fangs. Travis is he lost. He sees his fangs. <laughs> well, I'm trying to put it all together in my head in some form of continuity. Murders he, start
1: to occur. Well, you
0: don't see. You, the, the murders are there, but he never sees them. No. And then that night, he's watching, and he sees the fangs, right? Mm-hmm. And then Dandridge sees him. Jerry sees him seeing him. I see you, And And like, that's sort of the beginning of the end there. Because that girl later turns up dead.
1: So Charlie enlists the help of his friends, law enforcement to no avail, and finally, ultimately, Peter Vincent to help him slay this vampire. So what do you think about this? Well, the-
0: except none of them believe him. Right. Until the very end.
1: Right. So what do you think about the story? It's fine.
0: It's fine. There's nothing wrong with the story. I mean, I feel like that story's been told before just in a different way. Or like a kid sees something and
1: Yeah, that goes all the way back to what- the boy who cried wolf.
0: I I, it's exactly what I'm saying. Like, it's not a new story, so there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's not really original either, so.
1: You're, you're not, you're not praising it right now. (laughs) No, no, I mean,
0: I'm just saying that it's a serviceable story, but it's not an original story. Okay. It's not something that like blew my hair back. Oh my God, I've never seen this before. Where do they come up with this stuff? I mean, you're right. It's just, it's Hitchcock, but with vampires. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the boy who cried wolf, but with vampires Mm -hmm. until, you know, the werewolf comes in. That's not going away soon. Oh my god! Uh, but it's fine. It's 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 what you expect, I guess. What do you think?
1: Well, I'm going to be a little bit kinder. <laughs> While it may be derivative, I still think that it's got a lot of heart. It's got a lot of substance. Um, I like the way these were written to be real teenagers. There's still problems that occur that happen to teenagers now, only, sorry, in this day and age, people are way more touchy about the things that go on between teenagers. But so I like that we still have films around where this is the way teenagers talked this is the way they acted and you can kind of immerse yourself into that again and of course you know being the diehard horror lover that I am the whole staying up at night to watch a horror film and then getting the creeps because of what you've just watched so everything around you becomes suspicious and scary and you know I, I there's issues with with bullying relationship problems uh absentee parent it's so many things that that's what I was trying to say it's like this perfect blend of all these things going on while maintaining such a heart to it I yes while the bones may be derivative I feel like Holland fleshed it out enough that really gave you a protagonist and group of people that you could get behind and even made the villains likable which is no easy feat so I I happen to think it's a great story see the
0: only the thing I would disagree with on with you there is that I feel like it's the acting, it's it's the players involved that give you that, that make you care and make the story feel Maybe not fresh, but interesting. Not the story itself. I feel like it's the performances you see from Sarandon and and all those others that make the story well. I agree, engaging, but you still have to have ins- a
1: good story first. Not
0: necessarily the story itself.
1: You still have to have a good story I'm, first, because okay. even if you had somebody with the script for The Room and you put Brad Pitt in there, it's still not going to make it a good story.
0: <laughs> well, I don't disagree with you there, but that wasn't a good story to begin with.
1: <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm I. Just I think you, there still this, has to be credit to his writing.
0: This story was... It, it's sort of a tried-and-true kind of plot.
1: I don't think so. Even with all the things I listed, how many movies can you list like that?
0: None, because I, okay. don't, I don't remember shit. You know this. Okay, then. I'm just saying there's something very kind of Scooby-Doo about it, and it's it's the the performances in the film that make the film, not necessarily the story on its own. Okay. I don't think the story could stand on its own merit. I think it had to have the performances from those people.
1: Okay, well, agree to disagree. I
0: just disagree.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> so yeah i i really i enjoy it a lot i don't care what he says he's he's allowed to be wrong
0: i didn't say that it was bad (laughs) i'm just saying that you can have a great story with shitty actors and it turns into a shitty movie okay you can have a a, a not so great story with great actors and they can make it good
1: by the way this is the same person that likes surf ninjas
0: you know what drops my there's nothing wrong with that movie
1: <laughs> i don't have enough time to tell you what's Arnold wrong with Rise that movie. jr
0: was a fucking ninja turtle you leave him alone <laughs> I think he was oh, all of goodness. the Ninja Turtles at the same time.
1: <laughs> so why don't why don't we get started here with um with our characters? Charlie is obviously our protagonist. Yes, and I really liked William Rag- Ragsdale's performance. Um, having watched, I guess you know, very very recently, Halloween Kills. I actually appreciated Charlie a little bit more this go around because he, he reminded me so much of that Corey character in Halloween Kills where it's, he's basically a good boy and just a kid kind of doing the things that kids do and ultimately finds himself in a situation beyond his control. And it doesn't hurt that they look similar to each other. I think I have a type. I think I'm starting to realize I have a type here. But... <laughs> Um,
0: and it's not bearded fat guys,
1: (laughs) but, um, No, the way I feel like he has chemistry with just about every single other character in there because I love his relationship with Amy I love his relationship with Ed with Jerry he he bounces so well off of everybody else that and I also feel like he has a story that we can all kind of relate to in that uh, when you know something bad is happening and the sorry to quote Will Smith and the parents <laughs> adults just just don't understand. Everybody around you is telling you crazy. Telling you that you're crazy.
0: You are not allowed to Fresh Prince this movie. <laughs> it's unacceptable.
1: Okay. Are you are you adding to that? You just want to tell me I'm no, wrong I'm again? No, just, I just want you're to say you. Tell you. Tell me, is this the Ashley's Wrong episode?
0: <sighs> it is because you just Will Smithed Frightenheit and that's unacceptable <laughs> under any circumstances. <laughs>
1: And I, I definitely lived through the period, um, probably when I was actually around Charlie's age where I was kind of left to my own devices because I had, uh, my parents had divorced at the time and I was kind of by myself and that is something I would do. Just sit up at night and watch horror movies while, you know, they were gone and he keeps laughing at me and I'm <laughs> like, what uh, am I saying no, wrong? No, there
0: for a second. I let you, I just stay up late and watch the neighbors.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. We lived <laughs> out in the sticks. So there were no neighbors for me to watch, but, um. No, I just, he he's that all-American boy. He's the boy next door, pretty much. So he's struggling with his grades a little bit. He's trying to get his girlfriend to sleep with him, and she won't, and he's got a friend that's, they're more like frenemies maybe i mean because they're friends but there's also dialogue between them and and a chemistry between them that shows that they also like what what's the what's the phrase i'm looking for they i was going to say they rip each other's ass off all the time but that's going to sound wrong
0: see i was confused about that at first because it almost seemed like they were more acquaintances than friends right i mean clearly they're friends towards the end of the movie obviously before he gets turned into a werewolf they're friends but I. Guess In the beginning, like when you see him interacting at school, it's like... Are they friends already, or do they just know each other? Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, because they don't. I don't really get the friend dynamic on the front side.
1: Well, they're like meeting up after class and stuff to talk about tests. So I got the idea that they're friends, but maybe they're just not like they're not best close friends. friends. Yeah, 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 like they're more like friends out of convenience, or maybe you know they're the misfits in school or something. Maybe so they, they just, just kind of
0: travel in the same circles. Yeah,
1: yeah, maybe not. Not sure, but I definitely didn't get best friends. No, from them.
0: no, no, definitely not. And see, I think Ed is probably my favorite character in this film.
1: Hard same. He... Hard same.
0: And it's... I don't know, it's... It's tough. I think you have to have seen the movie to understand. In the beginning, he's just comedy. But I would say that probably the most emotional scenes and some of the most emotional acting in this film are delivered by him.
1: I feel like he's the most tragic Which character. is
0: crazy because when you hear that laugh, you're going to think there's nothing serious that could ever come from this kid. Right. But his death scene, spoilers, towards the end is fucking sad.
1: Yeah, it really, really, really
0: and is. And you just would not expect that performance from him. When you see him on the front side of this movie, you're like, okay, he's going to die real fast. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He's the Shelly. (laughs) He's going to get it immediately. Yeah. But I mean, he kind of does get it, but he didn't get towards the end. But I don't know. Like, he's the only one that made me feel really bad for them. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I didn't expect it. That was an unexpected twist for me.
1: Right. Well, with Charlie, like he's likable, but at the same time, you feel like he kind of makes these stupid decisions. And so a lot of it, you feel like he kind of brings on himself whereas ed was just kind of roped into it he didn't ask for any of it you know
0: no charlie drug him into this yes and charlie makes bad decisions from the very beginning yes (laughs) in the very beginning when he's trying to get amy to have sex with him and at some point she changes her mind and she says charlie i'm ready (laughs) and he's like oh look they're carrying in a coffin instead of saying so am i (laughs) like he just ignored the coffin and gone with the girl, his life would have been fine.
1: Yeah, no kidding. So
0: would hers, and so would Ed's. Yeah. Like, he fucked everybody by not thinking with his dick right there. <laughs> That's the first time that's ever happened.
1: I mean, I'm sure somebody out there is going to be a buzzkill and say Charlie's not likable from jump because he's trying to coerce his girlfriend into having sex when she's really not ready to. But I I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be one of those people just because I grew up in that time of whose boyfriend didn't try to get them to have sex all the time. I feel like that's a pretty standard trope. You know, and yes, the climate has changed now, but I still think that that's something that's pretty typical for the time.
0: I think that the media- It it didn't bother me. I think the media side of that has changed. I think the reality side of that has not. Teenage boys are going to try to get laid. I don't care how old they are, what year it is. They're going to try to get laid. Right. That's just how it is. And there are teenage girls out there who are going to be the same way. Yes. They're just, that's what they're thinking about. That's what they want to do. That's going to be their objective in life (laughs) at that point in time. So, I mean, maybe the way the media portrays that has changed dramatically from the way it was in the 80s, but I don't think that the actual activity has changed. Right. So, I...
1: So I, it didn't bother me. I didn't find him unlikable because of
0: that. Well, and when he, when she said stop, and like he stopped, and he thought about it, and he was like, "I'm sorry." Mm-hmm. So I mean, he did apologize. And then when, and then he was like, "What's well, always Charlie stop?" I like, goddamn dude, how many times has she had to tell you no? <laughs>
1: exactly. I did. I did thinking about that too. How
0: many times did she tell well, you? Only ever no? here's
1: Charlie stop it. Well, well, maybe you should stop it.
0: <laughs> maybe you're a slow learner. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, again, if he'd have been more focused on his relationship <laughs> instead of being a creeper with his binoculars, everyone in this film would have had a happy ending. The and I don't mean that the way it sounds.
1: <laughs> the part that gets me is the next day at school, or maybe it's a couple of days, you're not really clear, is that she goes and she apologizes, which yeah, I think is really fuck fucked the fuck is up. she
0: apologizing to him? Yeah,
1: Exactly um but she misses him and you do get the idea that he misses her but he's a dumb guy and <laughs> He's just All of a sudden, this news report comes on about the model who was dead that he had seen before and checked out. She's dead all of a sudden, and he's back to ignoring her again. And so he rightfully gets a chili burger smashed in his face.
0: That was a sloppy joe.
1: Yeah, sloppy joe, wherever the fuck it was. Adam
0: Sandler would be so proud. <laughs> but the thing is, he straight ignored her that night, too. Like, yeah. she's getting ready to leave, and she's like, bye, Charlie. And he just keeps talking to his mom about the name. Yeah. I don't I don't get it. Like he just he just straight like fuck you ignored her. Right. And She's apologizing to him?
1: Yeah, it what didn't make sense. What the hell? <laughs> didn't make sense You can at all. do better,
0: Amy. Move on.
1: <laughs> oh, she, she did. She did upgrade. At she least did for, get an upgrade. For a little bit.
0: <laughs> for a whole minute. <laughs> and then it was over and she was stuck with Charlie.
1: <laughs> so, speaking of Amy, I thought that she also did a really fantastic job. I think she was also very well written of this girl who obviously really loves this boy. But... Again, he's being a stupid guy right now and not giving her the attention she deserves. But even so, when he's in the thick of it with this shit, she's right there. Like, she's ride or die with him. Even if she thinks he's crazy, she still cares about him enough that she's going to at least investigate what is going on.
0: She even goes so far as to uh, what give up like a five hundred dollars savings bond yeah. to Peter Vincent, yeah, so that he'll come help. And and at this point. When she does it, she doesn't think it's real. Uh Uh-huh. She's just trying to, like, do whatever she can uh, to help Charlie...
1: Not kill somebody.
0: ...work through this without going to prison for murder. Right. So, yeah. And, okay, $500 savings bond. That's not a lot right now. But, goddamn, you probably couldn't have bought a car for that in 85, but you probably could have actually made a down payment on a car for 500 (laughs) bucks in 85. Right. No shit. And... (laughs) I mean, it was not an insubstantial amount of money at the time mm-hmm. that this film came out, and she's just going to give it to some hack, washed-up actor. I mean, he was—that's what he yeah. was—because he had gone away from acting, and now he's just.
1: Let's let's talk about.
0: He's just hosting some cheesy ass monster movie TV show.
1: Yeah, so let's let's talk about him for a minute. I, if you, if I've never brought it up on this show before, I am the hugest, hugest Planet of the Apes fan. Um, I don't remember how that started, but at some point, Travis bought me the entire. Series, not including um, the Matt Reeves new stuff or the Tim Burton, but just the old school series, and I loved it so damn much. It's one of my favorite series of all times, and I'll go back and revisit it. As a matter of fact, I told Aiden we need to we need to plan a weekend where we just go back and watch all those again. You
0: need a whole weekend for those, <laughs> right? That's like saying we're gonna watch all the Harry Potter movies. You can clear your calendar for that. There's shit.
1: only five Planet of the Apes movies, though, if you yeah. don't count the newer
0: ones. But they they made up for lack of quantity with quality and runtime lots and lots of runtime
1: ah anyway and
0: charlton heston
1: so one of my favorite things about that series besides charlton heston is roddy piper he uh, is roddy piper roddy piper Roddy McDowell sorry there's too many Roddies in this show lately <laughs> um I I have always adored his performances as Cornelius and Caesar and it was fun to see him out of makeup you know because I hadn't seen him in anything apart from that so
0: okay sorry I was just thinking of him dressed as Cornelius but wearing a kilt <laughs> and then it's still roddy piper
1: (laughs) oh my lord but i thought his performance was so great he because you kind of feel like maybe there's a little bit of life imitating art because at this point in his career roddy mcdowell was not doing a terrible lot anymore and this he's been thrown back into this thing that kind of gets him up off the bench so Kind of same as his career, and I thought that was a really neat thing. But he also portrays somebody that can be really comical at times, but he can also be really sad. His reactions to what's going on around him, whether it's fear or or its sorrow or just complete shock he he perform he played that part so damn well
0: i noticed that he's this is going to sound like a strange observation he's very expressive yes his face is very expressive and maybe that's from years of wearing chimpanzee prosthetics or something i don't know but he can conve- he conveys a lot more with his face than he does with his words right um, but yeah, he was kind of like the combination Dr. Loomis slash Van Helsing yeah. character in this.
1: Yeah. yeah, I can see that. I
0: can see where they got the Van Helsing thing, but something about him kind of gave me Loomis vibes. Mm-hmm. I think it was after he started to take it seriously, but after he stopped hiding in his apartment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, I don't know.
1: And then let's not forget that his, the very character's name is combining two iconic members of those, those films of the golden age, which would be Peter Cushing, you know, who was in the Hammer films and Vincent Price, who of course did every iconic old horror film you can think of. Um, So I thought he played that part very, very well. It, It made me feel like I was in a Hammer film at times.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He pulled that off really well. I don't know. Was he ever in some of those? I mean, he was, it, he was no, in, no, no, in no. films during that era, but was he ever in that type of film? No,
1: not that I know of,
0: but I guess he would have had probably still some firsthand knowledge of, of what that all looked like. Yeah. I see. I don't think I've ever seen a hammer film. Yeah. So, but no, he, he did good he pulled it off. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a, just a class collector. He's probably, he's like a, uh, who's the other one? The guy that played Dracula.
1: Bella Lugosi? No.
0: Later than that. The one you had a crush on. The War Doctor.
1: Oh, he never played Dracula. No, I'm
0: not. Did he not? No. Which one am I thinking of?
1: Well, you say Dracula, so I think Bella Lugosi, I think Christopher Lee, and then I think Gary Oldman. There
0: we go. Gary Oldman. Classical <laughs> actor. That's what I was going for. He's like that kind of actor. Yeah. He's just, they're going to be good in whatever they're in.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh,
0: move on, because I fucked that up.
1: You so did. <laughs>
0: because i can't remember names goddamn
1: (laughs) he just i feel like he brought some class to the film yeah
0: yeah give it some credibility
1: yeah who are we missing we're missing billy
0: we're missing billy
1: now you said that billy was off-putting so fucking
0: creepy i kept waiting for him to say it was garbage day (laughs) maybe it's because his name was billy Maybe well, that's it.
1: I mean, the first thing that he does is when Charlie first starts to snoop, he goes over to the doors of the basement or cellar, whatever you want to call it. And he just kind of creeps her in the house. Hey, kid. <laughs> like, he starts off kind of being that way. But he's also kind of a bully toward Charlie, too. And that he fucks with him. Like, he, the way he's always calling him kid. Or the way he's always looking at him like, I know something they don't know. Ha <laughs> ha You know, that whole thing. Like, he's just continually fucking with him.
0: Yeah. I mean, I get it that he's, he's trying to protect uh, Dandridge. Right. That's his, like... His guard dog of a sort, because he's, he's not he's human. Like,
1: yeah, he's like the Renfield sort he's,
0: of. He's he's a ghoul, I think. Even though they don't ever come out and say it. Like when right. he dies, he turns into green ooze and dust, and they sh- and sand. Yeah, yeah. And, but they shoot him like eight times before he dies. And eight he just times?
1: Keeps... They shot him eight times?
0: Six times. <laughs> six times, <laughs> Ashley.
1: I know it's six times, but you said they shot him eight times, so I was just I was going just with throwing
0: it. a number out. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> harsh anyway <laughs> but yeah they shoot him a whole bunch of times and he just keeps coming uh, right. so he's not human but yeah i get that that he he does kind of bully charlie a little bit but at the same time that's sort of his function for jerry right is to be his, like his daytime guard to keep him safe while he's sleeping i right. guess mm-hmm. um, to kind of take care of his affairs and mind the house and all that shit mm-hmm.
1: but at the same time and going true with vampire lore You also get this kind of homoerotic partnership type of thing from them too and it's not that there's necessarily that type of a relationship between them even though hell there may have been a hundred years before maybe they tried it out once but there's definitely something there between them where you can see that Billy really cares For Jerry, you know, if it's him cleaning his wounds or making sure he's eating or sometimes he just even looks at Jerry longingly, you know, like he like he has a deep affection for him.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there's love there. They just don't ever go. They don't ever. (sighs) They're never clear about what kind it is.
1: Yeah, there was one scene. Like, is it a mentor
0: type or uh, sort of like a parent-child kind of thing or uh, a romantic, which I don't think it's romantic.
1: A lot of people do, so much so that the actors have spoken out about it. The thing is,
0: it could be anything because they never touch on that. Like, it's there, clearly, but they never talk about it.
1: No, and there's another scene where somebody's running out of the house and Billy's standing there, and Jerry just kind of goes and puts his arms and chin over his shoulders, like this weird little embrace. And it's there, there's definitely something there, but I can't quite put my finger on
0: right. it. Right. Right. So. There's a relationship there that is undefined in the movie. Yeah. So that's it for the characters. Yeah. Except for the mom.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, she's just kind of weird. I don't feel like mom was really given enough to do, which kind of sucks because she actually gave a really funny performance too.
0: She was. And she could have brought a little more levity to the film. They just didn't utilize her. Like she's in it so little that I almost wonder why they bothered putting her in there.
1: Right. I mean, they explain it well enough that she's kind of here, there, all over the place with her job, that she's working different shifts all the time. She's kind of on the prowl looking to date a little bit, which is why she finds Jerry so attractive. And then um, she also is like that kind of cool mom at the same time that when she overhears Charlie and Amy talking about sex, she's just kind of has this oh, you guys. Are you having
0: a lover's spouse?
1: Yeah. And I mean, when she thinks that Charlie's having a nightmare, just offers him a Xanax on the spot or here, let me make you some hot chocolate. Like it, she was just, she did really well with, with what she was given.
0: Whatever's going on she just rolls with it pretty much she's just unfazed
1: oh my doors like slammed shut to the point that yeah. i can't open it and she's What's just like going charlie on?
0: i can't open my door <laughs> let me like the why of it never occurs to her She just like can you help me open my door
1: yeah and in to the end of the movie i don't know that she's ever wise to what actually happened
0: doesn't have a clue
1: yeah and that was something that changed with the remake was that mom was involved from start to finish yeah. but if you have tony collette in your movie of course you do but but, you have to. But uh, no, she was just great. I just think she was underutilized
0: a yeah, little bit. Yeah, she was on screen so little, or she, she didn't advance the plot at all, I mm-hmm. would say. Um, and it's not, a, and I'm not saying that in a derogatory sense that you could take her out and it wouldn't make a difference. I'm just saying that she was almost like a cameo character where she sort of pops in, says something quirky, and then she's out again. Right. And if you take her out, it doesn't change anything mm-hmm. about the film. It just shortens the runtime a little bit, which is sad because I think she could have contributed more. If nothing else, she could have been something to provide a little bit of levity in some of the more serious moments. Because mm-hmm. um, I guess it's the thing about tension, because they start tension building later in the film, is that at some point, like you build tension to a point, then you have to release a. little bit like you've got to have somebody has to have a giggle right Mm -hmm. till it off just a little bit so that you can continue to build Because you can't just build and build and build and build and build build, because at some point people are like, fuck it, (laughs) I'm out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Either it just ceases to be scary or tense at all or they just opt out. Right. And I feel like she could have been sort of that break in there if they had given her more to do. I agree with you.
1: So you were saying that was all we had for characters. We suck. We suck at life because we have not talked about.
0: We didn't talk about Jerry. The
1: man of the hour.
0: (laughs) What about Jerry? (laughs) How did we skip Jerry? I
1: have no earthly idea because... I blame Billy. He's my favorite vampire probably in all of film, if I'm being really honest. There's, really? Yeah, there's a lot of vampires out there. And I, for the longest time, have always had Gary Oldman as my...
0: I'm always going to pick Brad Pitt.
1: Okay, if you, that's an opinion to have. um, <laughs> But yeah, Gary Oldman was like my vampire for years and years and years. But I feel... Feel like as far as being well-rounded, I think Jerry has that more than any other vampire on screen. On screen, um, because he's not our new-agey vampires that are all tortured and pretty and broody and uh. and sparkly. Yeah, like Jerry has a sense of humor. He is very, very charming, but he's also scary.
0: He is. He's sort of a combination of the old and the new. Um, Clearly, he's got some more modern ideas, um, but he's not, again, like you said, he's not your new age, uh, like, Twilight-type vampire. But he's not the old-school, like, Nosferatu, I'm-just-going-to-murder-everyone kind of vampire. Mm -hmm. And he can be reasoned with. He's intelligent. Yes. Um, And he's not just out to sleep with every woman out there like fly in her window and sleep with her right Um, and at some point he even is willing to make a deal with a human which i think that's the first time you see that a vampire like saying hey listen you go your way and i'll go mine i can't think of another movie where that happens right can you no and he actually throws that out there for charlie like listen you forget about me and i'll forget about you right and goddamn charlie should have just taken the deal yeah like he should have just he should have first he should have just been ready for Amy. And barring that, (laughs) barring that, he should have just said, you know what? You make a valid point, vampire, sir. I will agree to your terms.
1: Yeah. Like, so what if I just kind of look the other way while you're murdering women?
0: (laughs) He, yeah. Well, I mean, Ed would still be alive.
1: Yeah, I mean...
0: And Amy wouldn't be a vampire, so... But
1: Charlie wouldn't be a hero either if he didn't stand up for what he felt was right.
0: Is he a hero, though?
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: But doesn't the hero win at the end, typically? And he kind of didn't.
1: Uh, he did. He lost
0: Ed. He lost his girlfriend. And at the end... He got
1: his girlfriend back?
0: Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, she did turn back, (laughs) didn't she? Yeah. But at the end, he's, like, looking in the window, and there's, like, glowing eyes coming from the window, Well,
1: that could have just been the director giving one last little, uh, that ultimately didn't mean anything
0: well okay well there was a friday night 2 though right yes so maybe that was maybe they're just setting it up for a sequel
1: Uh, they had nothing to do with the sequel whatsoever (sighs) as far as they were concerned it was done right there on the spot but a thing that i like about jerry which going back to dracula is there's that whole dracula slash mina thing happening with him and amy in that she looks like the reincarnation of an old lover he used to have so she's like the love of his life and i think that that was an interesting element to put in there too so
0: It was, and you get that painting, but they never elaborate on it. So, I mean, you, I think the audience sort of draws that conclusion, but he never comes right out and says it.
1: Well, he tells her that she looks like somebody he knew a long time ago. Right, So he didn't right. explicitly but go into it. But he doesn't
0: say what that person was to him. So. Was I, it his wife? Was it just someone that he was infatuated with after he became a vampire?
1: I don't know. I, I don't need them to spoon feed no, it No, to no, me, no. I'm not but... saying that
0: you need that. But then, like, he bites her and then just locks Charlie in the room with her. And he's like, yeah, she's going to get hungry in a minute. I don't know. It just didn't seem like there was that level of attachment there.
1: Do you not remember when he gets killed at the end? He's like, I guess, I guess no. not. I guess He not. does scream for her as he's dying. Does he? Yes. See, he told you you should have watched it one more time. I should have watched
0: it <laughs> one more time. I don't remember that.
1: Yes. Yes. He did scream for Amy with his arm out as he was burning up in flames.
0: But she was still turned at that point and under his thrall. Yeah. So she had to do what he said at that point until he died. She had to yes, do what
1: he said. But I still think he loved her. <sighs>
0: Agree to disagree.
1: We're going to be doing that all night, aren't we?
0: All night long.
1: (laughs) Leave us your comments, mostly telling me how Travis is wrong.
0: Oh. Mama's right. Oh, that's not going to (laughs) happen. That's not going to (laughs) happen.
1: So anyway, I, I again, I, I think he, he just performed so well that he could do all of these things. Because our, uh, one of the things that Holland told him was, when you're walking up on your prey or something, when you're going to intimidate somebody, you have to walk up to them like you're the baddest motherfucker in the room. And I definitely got that from him. He just had that slow, ease, devil may care attitude about him.
0: He was just cool.
1: He was. He
0: was very... Very cool. Like any, in every scene, he he walks in and he's, you know, he's eating some fruit because he's a fruit bat. And, which I think that was Chris Sarandon's idea. It was. Uh, that, you know, not all, not all bats are vampire bats. There's fruit bats too. So, right. And like that whole thing, well, if he's eating an apple, then he can't really be a vampire. So it adds doubt. Yeah. Um, Which I think is kind of cool. Interesting that he did his research on that. Yeah. But I...
1: And he's also it's, gonna walk in a room and every female's or male's head is gonna turn.
0: Yeah. But I mean the cool factor that I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to articulate it, he just there's like confidence in every scene. Mm-hmm. He walks in. He's just completely unfazed by whatever's going on. Yes. He's got that senior pecker swinger, I got this attitude. Yeah. And it's kinda cool.
1: Yeah. Senior pecker swinger. Yeah. I think now we call that big dick energy.
0: <laughs> well, when I was a kid, <laughs> hundred years ago (laughs) the guy in charge was the senior pecker swinger
1: yeah but at the same time if he's going full-on threat mode you absolutely buy into that too that this guy could just slash my throat and be done with it. because
0: he goes from being cool and then when he gets charlie in the room and he makes charlie the offer and then and charlie stabs him and he's just like fuck and then kind of flips that switch and you're like that's a cold-blooded killer right there yeah because he's just shoving charlie out the window (laughs) yeah but i just and the thing is his facial expressions don't really change i don't know what changes in that but he goes from i'm just a cool guy and i'm trying to uh, to do this
1: i would say he had he has some nuances it's very subtle yes yes
0: but you you go from hey charlie take the deal to oh you're fucked (laughs) like quick
1: Yes, but so, there's also, you can see maybe that there's a little bit of conflict in him, you know, where he's like, damn kid, just take the deal. And then at one point he also tells him, I'm going to give you the choice I didn't have.
0: Yeah, there's some measure of humanity there.
1: Yes, just um, even if it's the tiniest bit, he still conveys that mostly through his eyes, that there's just something beneath the surface there. Yeah,
0: and where where I said that Malcolm McDowell, wrong Ra- McDowell, McDowell, Roddy McDowell... <laughs> is very expressive with his face i don't feel like chris sarandon necessarily is his, again, his his performance is extremely subtle. Yes. Um, like, you, you get the change. You can kind of see the change. You sense it on screen. Mm-hmm. But it's not nearly as obvious um, through facial expressions or mannerisms as it is through McDowell. Mm-hmm. So, just interesting. It's interesting to see the two different methods.
1: And I love, too, that he's his movement as a vampire is so smooth.
0: It's like they had him riding around on a skateboard.
1: Yeah, like he gives that, that smoke thing, like... Like when well, he, he just, is coming through the mist, like he just glides. Yeah, he
0: just kind of glides along.
1: Yeah. And I thought that that was really cool too. He's he, not, he was on steady cam. Even though he is intimidating, he's not brute force. He's very stealthy. Like the scene with Evil in the alley, that was some really creepy shit. Cause it's like, you know, he's there. You just don't know when exactly he's going to strike. And the fact that he can Jason Voorhees style teleport all over the place is creepy too
0: see okay I have a different thought about that because when Jason just teleports out he comes stomping out of the underbrush right uh, like a like a bear right Mm -hmm. Jerry kind of glides around the corner like Candyman Mm -hmm. because Candyman did that too he would just like step out and he's like here I am (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Kind of the same thing. Yeah. Uh, More ghostly, really, than anything else, Mm -hmm. where he would just sort of appear.
1: But, and then you get this, I don't know, I will say that there is one scene where I feel like his humanity really does shine through, and that is the scene where he is going to turn evil, because I don't think that he's necessarily trying to persuade him just for the sake of being evil. Like, you feel like there is some emotion behind it, and he really understands what evil is about as a Well, because a he doesn't
0: know the kid at all. Never met the kid before, except for in his home, what, 10 minutes prior to this happening. Mm-hmm. And he was like, aren't you tired of getting picked on? Yeah. Aren't you tired of being the outsider? So, like, he gleaned all of that from him just in that very short interaction. Right. And it was, he was amazingly accurate. Yeah. Uh, with evil sort of being an outcast. Mm-hmm. And now there, there was some insight there. He displayed some insight.
1: Yeah. So I, I think very, very brilliantly portrayed. And yes, that's, honestly, I think that's probably why it's my favorite.
0: But at the same time, it's sort of sadistic because it's like, first, I'm going to turn your friend and then I'm going to turn your girl. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's some cold-blooded shit in there too. Oh, yeah.
1: He's he's highly intelligent. Yeah.
0: So it's like, uh-huh. I feel bad for these people, but I'm also going to fuck with Charlie.
1: Yeah. Because it feels like there's a chess match going on. Charlie's just not a very good player.
0: No. No, Charlie sucks at chess.
1: Like like Jerry's a couple of steps ahead of him every time. Yeah, yeah. Because let's face it, these people make some of the stupidest fucking decisions throughout. Like, for instance, when Evil and Amy and Peter decide that they're going to disprove Jerry being a vampire, there's all these red flags that pop up that everybody just seems to fucking ignore. Like, for instance, they're having a telephone conversation. Remember when we had those? uh,
0: (laughs) On a landline.
1: On a landline. And Evil's like oh, we can't have crucifixes because he's a born-again Christian, but we also can't bring holy water. No, we can't meet until after 6 p.m. And nobody thinks that that's fucking weird.
0: And they're laughing about it. Yeah. I don't... Yeah, they totally And then even
1: all that. when they're performing the test, nobody mm-hmm. notices that Jerry's very closely studying.
0: He's, he's really examining that shit. Yeah, like
1: he's holding it up against the fire flame to look at it. And then when uh Charlie pulls out a cross, he backs up, like Jerry backs up, and then Billy kind of bows up like he's ready to attack. And again, nobody thinks about this is kind of odd behavior. Just right. a little bit. Right. The windows are blacked out on the house
0: i think maybe they're just um dumb <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i don't know it would have been a really short movie if they'd caught on to it immediately
1: yeah i just i don't know maybe it's something about being a horror film watcher yeah. that you pick up on those things immediately
0: no but it seems like they went out of their way to sort of draw attention to that mm-hmm. like during the phone conversation because ed's laughing about it while right. I was talking about it and so i don't know if it's meant to be a joke for the audience, um, where Ed's laughing about it, like, oh, he's hamming it up, you know what yeah. I mean? But uh, what
1: doesn't evil laugh at? I know. I mean, because at the beginning, he's talking about people getting their heads chopped off, and he's treating it like, well, be honest, the way I would. <laughs> he's, like, having to <laughs> giggle at it.
0: Well, I mean, I agree. I'm just saying... I don't know if that, that it was intentional or if he just did that. He just doesn't
1: take things seriously. And the
0: characters just all automatically accepted these things as being perfectly normal and in no way related to a vampire.
1: Right. It just seems like those three things back to back, at some point you would have to go, wait, these are things that vampires is averse to.
0: Yeah, But you know what? Consistency is something they struggle with a little bit Uh in the film. For instance, when Ed uh, shows up coming after uh, McDowell, Mm -hmm. he shows the It puts crucifix on his head and it burns his head and chases him off and all that stuff. When he pulls it on Jerry, Jerry just like, You have to have faith for that to work on me. Right. So, did he have faith when he used it on Ed and then he lost it with Jerry?
1: Like, wait, it's lost its mojo. He's like shaking the cross around and blowing
0: on it. I mean, do you need to take (laughs) it and get it recharged? Do you need to check the batteries? (laughs) I was Why thinking about work? the
1: golden ticket in Last Action Hero. He's like rubbing it between his hands and blowing on thinking, it like is it's Is it like one of those emergency Nintendo.
0: flashlights and you have yeah. to crank it up first?
1: It's, it's a Nintendo cartridge, you know.
0: It's very shake weighty.
1: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just,
0: I don't understand. Like, how did it work on Ed and not on Jerry?
1: Right, right. It
0: just, did, that, that part didn't make sense. Uh-huh. And the thing is, he hauls it out twice. And the second time, Jerry just like crushes the damn thing.
1: Right. But yeah. then he'll haul it out again and ooh!
0: Yeah. So, yeah.
1: I get it. I get what you're saying. I do.
0: I mean, it was funny. Jerry's reaction to it was funny. (laughs) The way Sarandon played that. Because he's he's very, it's very over the top. Well, let's talk. Yeah, I was going
1: to say, let's talk about. Like, if he just
0: started spinning around (laughs) in circles or something, that would have been perfect.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I love his reaction there. We get stabbed through the hand. But that's a good way to segue into the special effects. Um, I know you. we were talking about this off mic and you were saying, I don't, just don't feel like there was a lot in this film. I think that you're forgetting about some things. I don't know that it's a special effects really showcase. Like we're not talking about, you know, balls to the wall, Savini type of extravaganza here. But I think what they did when they did it is absolutely amazing. Well,
0: that's what I'm saying. It, it's not an effects driven film at all. And, I, and maybe that's the reason a lot of them didn't stand out to me it's because they were small they were small effects like it was hands or it was teeth um you get to see jerry's sort of transformation his partial transformation when he's uh, when he gets stabbed in the hand mm-hmm. you know and you get to see his uh <clears throat> what face was that
1: <laughs>
0: who was it i compared him to i'm like the- oh my god he looks like that guy <laughs>
1: compared him to a uh, dorian in the mask <laughs> yeah yeah after
0: he puts the mask on it kind of looks like him um I mean, that was a pretty big effect, but the one that that caught my attention um, was Ed. Right. Ed's transformation. I would say
1: that's the biggest one of the film.
0: And when he goes from a wolf back to a boy.
1: Right. So Travis doesn't have the specs pulled up in front of him like he should, but the guy whose name is escaping me right now, he worked with these other people on American Werewolf in London and The Howling both. Like he helped in those transformations and he said, okay, those were were great and yeah they're going to be remembered forever but what can I do in my wolf transformation scene to make it just that much more better than the rest of him and what he did was he wanted to bring more ugliness to it like we just see a human going from a wolf or you know maybe limb stretching out but he made it almost like a deformity, you know, where maybe evil's face would be intact, but then he'd have a wolf arm or leg or something. He kind of mismatched those pieces together where it was something much more grotesque and ugly. And I think that that was just brilliant work. And I can't imagine the amount of hours that were logged in and having to, okay, now your body's going to be this way. Okay, now your body's going to be that way. And just doing that for hours on end and days on end. Like the amount of work that those guys put into it and uh, Evil's actor having to sit through all of that makeup. The, the, The guys worked really, really hard. Hard for that effect. Yeah. And it's great because it's not an effect that it's not a scene that's over in like a minute. That scene really drags on for a long time and makes you uncomfortable and makes you sad and just it's that kind of car crash effect where you can't really look away even though you're seeing something so awful in front of you.
0: Yeah. And this is so I, I like a werewolf transformation that and, and this wasn't a werewolf, but a body transformation that makes you really uncomfortable. I feel like the one... Well, I'll just continue with the werewolf theme um, because that's the one that you see this type of transformation in the most is that a lot of times it's like sort of an underworld type of transformation where it's like there's some discomfort but they just sort of I'm a wolf now and go on about their day you know Mm -hmm. or ones where it doesn't seem to affect them at all Mm -hmm. or they enjoy this change Mm -hmm. but you've got some like this or um was it the howling where the transformation is clearly painful
1: American werewolf American werewolf it hurts
0: it it hurts a lot
1: yeah it's Um, so uncomfortable it's a torturous
0: process for them to transition from a human to a wolf and then back again Mm -hmm. um uh uh-huh. It's going to sound sick, but I kind of like it like that.
1: Yeah, I do too. Very much.
0: Uh, more so than just the, look what I can do, yeah. <laughs> sort of school of transformation.
1: And, yeah, and because of that, it then brings in that element of body horror too, because at some point, evil has to be aware of what's going on with him. And that makes it so much worse, because part of the reason that makes that scene in particular so heartbreaking is that regardless of the real life age of the actor, the character actor's just a kid you know and that's the part that really sucks about it and that actor he really brought such a really depressing performance to it in that even when he's burnt with the cross on his forehead there's tears rolling down his face you know when Jerry's cornering him in the alley he's so terrified and crying and Then just the sheer agony that he's going through in his transformation. I was just like, wow, it's really a shame this kid didn't do more. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The one that got me was the transformation scene. Well, it's basically his death. Mm-hmm. We call it the transformation. It's his death because he is uh, stabbed through the heart mm-hmm. with that chair leg or whatever, or stabbed through the chest with that chair leg. Um, so that is killing him. And then he's transfer- transforming back into human at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like an unimaginable amount of pain. He keeps reaching out uh, yes. to McDowell.
1: I hate that.
0: And he's like, is this sort of a last act of defiance? Like, I'm going to kill you with my last I don't breath? Think so. Or is he asking for help? Because he can't articulate anything at that point. Right. And so it just comes across as very, very sad.
1: Well, and he... I think it's
0: probably some of the best acting in the film. He's or, more
1: or less dying alone, too. Yeah. And so I think he is reaching for him, maybe, is asking for comfort a little yeah. bit. Like, I don't want to be alone. Yeah, but you I know? mean... You, and adding to that, uh, McDowell's performance on top of that, his reaction, and he's crying too. It's it's so sad. And he reaches for him, too. It's, the whole thing is just yeah. very, very sad. But
0: I mean, would you agree, though, that of all the, the great actors that were in this film, that's probably the best piece of acting i agree yeah in this film I even do. against mcdowell and sarandon the kid kind of took it away from him there
1: i would agree yeah so but yeah. yeah it's
0: sad because i've never seen him in anything else this is the only thing i've seen him in.
1: um i watched him in 976 evil where he's kind of playing a similar type of character oh yeah so i may, i may. that one's directed by robert england i may have to get you to watch that sometime so. okay but yeah, he, I actually do agree with you on this point that I think he might have stolen the show a little bit yeah. and and not just there. Uh, I, I have heard people say that they found evil to be annoying because of his cackle and all that, but I just found every scene that he was in where he was reacting to something around him just to be completely hilarious or endearing because, I mean, even Aiden, because he watched this with me a few nights ago, and he, he was sitting there as a scene where Charlie goes in to ask him you know about vampire lore and stuff and he makes him pay him to do it or he offers to pay him for it. And Evil says, far be it for me to take a fool's money. And Aiden just started laughing hysterically. And I was like, really? That's that's the part that cracks you up or whatever? Because one of my favorite bits of Evil's is the scene where he's pretending to be Charlie's mom in the bed. And it's that little Raggedy Ann red yarn wig. And he pops up and she left a note. Mm-mm, his dinner's in the oven. I love that part so much because... When he's not going through something bad, he's just playing it with such glee, like he's enjoying what he's doing, and he was just deliciously evil, and I loved it.
0: He's gleeful evil.
1: Gleeful evil.
0: Which is probably even more scary. It's like, not only am I evil, I know I'm evil, and I enjoy it.
1: Yes. Uh, Don't call me evil anymore! (laughs) I love that
0: too. (laughs) But yeah, so kind of to get back on track with the effects, the, the small effects, like the little hands and stuff like that, where you see, it's usually Jerry, right? Where he's got the long nails or whatever. And when, Mm -hmm. and when Charlie stabs him with the pencil. Um, a lot of times when you get a hand effect, I mean, it's clearly just a glove and some Lee press-on nails. Not in this one. Mm-hmm. Shaking your head at me before <laughs> I've even finished my no, statement. No, I thought
1: you were talking about something else.
0: No, no, no. But you know you know what I'm talking about. A lot of them, if you're going to have a hand with uh, long nails, you can tell that's kind of what it is, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. It's a latex glove with some press-ons attached. Right. This is not. No. These are actually good. And when he closes his hand around the uh the pencil to pull it out, yeah. Like the fingertips don't immediately bend back. Okay, have you seen that in films mm-hmm. before? we're like it's clearly just gloves that are too big yeah
1: yeah no these were these so, were full-on extensions that they put on his fingers they were
0: small effects but they were quality
1: he went through a very lengthy makeup process of eight plus hours and he said that he's a very physical person he can't just sit for so long without doing anything he would get antsy and so at one point he was like guys there's got to be something for me to do i can't just continue to sit here like this so they were like do you want to do your hands? It's like, yeah, I'll do my hands. So as they were working on his face, he was actually doing the prosthetic work for his fingers. And I thought that was really cool.
0: That is pretty cool. So once you get one hand done, how do you do the other hand? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Without fucking up the one you just did.
1: (laughs) I don't know. And I know that you're talking about the pencil as not being that really a big of a deal. But to me, as simple as it is, because all it is, is a retractable pencil. Well, I get Um, that. But what
0: I'm saying is it wasn't a huge effect, but it still looked good.
1: Yeah, but it looked amazing. Like something about those just... You know, something as simple as that, a retractable blade or whatever, I just find it so charming. You know, this, it's just stuff you don't see very often anymore. Um, and then even in some scenes where he's not in full on prosthetics on his face, but he just has red contacts. I, there's a scene in the nightclub where there, a guy walks up to, a bouncer walks up and threatens him. And that's all it is, is just the shot of his glowing red eyes. And it's just so, it's so good. Again, subtle. They didn't really do a lot there, but it looks so... So good.
0: It doesn't always take a lot. Sometimes you just need a condom full of fake blood. That's all it takes.
1: <laughs> right. Um, and then I mean Amy's face and Full On Vampire, that's the iconic shot of the film. It's on the the art for the, the box of the film. Those that giant set of Jaws teeth. Like there are there are women that cosplay to this stuff. Like it's I would love to cosplay to that. Like it's it's such an amazing look because you know she's turned over in the Corner and she's like, Charlie, you swore you were going to protect me. You swore whatever. And you're waiting for Charlie to go over and, oh, and comfort her, or whatever. And then she just turns with this mouth of fucking Molina teeth. And you're like, holy shit, you know, you didn't expect that to, to come. And it, it's really, really good. And then, like you had already brought up, just kind of that. And there is editing there, you know, they would cut away every time Jerry's face would change from vampire to normal. But I think that it's. Still really well done. And then oh, not forgetting Billy's death, of course, at the end too. Because I don't know what it is. They shoot him like once in the head first, and then they shoot him in the face again. And there's something about one of his eyeballs that just looks off a little bit. Like maybe they shot him in the eye or his eye like his eyeball turned or something. There's just something very weird about that cockeyed thing that he's doing. And then to watch that transformation of him melting, and they did the same thing. with Evil Ed's hand whenever it was transforming from hand to paw and that they built his hand out of gelatin and then melted it down with a hairdryer and then shot it in reverse. So I'm sure that Billy's death was done the same way, but it just looks so fucking cool. But beginning to wrap up here, um, let's talk about the score a little bit. It's You want to talk about
0: the porno music they had in here?
1: (laughs) It's so inherently 80s.
0: (laughs) It's like the the slow guitar solo stuff
1: for, yeah from softcore skinamax porn
0: it's like marilyn chambers or something
1: i don't know i don't know porn actors
0: you never watched skinamax like I when did, it came on, but I free, didn't on study on, the actresses on, on names antenna, no they were in the titles what are you talking about
1: i didn't who was watching it for the titles that's true <laughs> you were like oh there's dialogue fast forward here's the deal like
0: you saw more skin on like baywatch <laughs> I think, then you did in those.
1: That's probably true.
0: But yeah, that really cheesy 80s
1: guitar. Weird music. Synth and, yeah. Yeah. yeah very, but it's still really good. There's a couple of choices where it was put in that's a little questionable. Like, I don't know that this really belongs in this particular scene. Um, I think they might have been playing that porn music when he was coming up on Evil in the alley. They
0: played uh, it at some weird times. They
1: did. But in the scene where Charlie is first observing him and his victim in the window it works right there it made sense
0: for it to be there
1: where he's seducing amy it works there you know it's just yeah
0: (laughs) that was the music that stood out to me
1: but I think that there's some great music, uh, particularly in the club scene. I, I enjoy the songs that are played in there. Um, specifically the one that is being played while uh Jerry and Amy are having their dance. I think it's
0: super good. <laughs> yeah, but those were not those weren't like songs that played on the radio. They were written for this film, right?
1: Mm, I don't know.
0: Well, I was just watching the subtitles and the, the, the uh the lyrics were odd. And uh-huh. it seemed like they must have written this song specifically for this maybe
1: film. maybe i don't know i didn't read about it
0: <laughs> oh anyway <laughs> but you know sometimes they just get you know whatever the, a popular song is or whatever right. whichever mm-hmm. song they can afford <laughs> to mm-hmm. get the rights to um, and sometimes they make Dream Warriors.
1: That's for the movie. That's
0: for the film, and right. I think that's what this music was. A yeah, lot of could
1: it, have so. very, very well been. It's it's a fantastic soundtrack, though. I really, really enjoy it. I may actually download some
0: of it. Are you gonna download the porn music? You know,
1: every time we have covered a movie, I have gone and downloaded music from that soundtrack. Like I downloaded stuff from um, the New Hellraiser, Return, Return of the Living Dead. Uh, Reanimator yes Hellraiser 2022 Um, yeah I'm I've really been enjoying picking up the different music from the films that we've been watching so anyway so let's move on to favorite quote favorite kill favorite scene
0: okay favorite quote you're so cool (laughs) Bruce. god damn
1: it I knew you were going to do that (laughs)
0: that's everybody's favorite quote from this film (laughs) yeah it's the almost the only quotable in this film is (laughs) that one like that's what stands out what were the other two things
1: favorite kill Favorite scene. Favorite
0: kill. Um, nope. I guess my favorite kill would be evil Ed, but that's really the only kill in the movie other than Jerry that you actually see. And Billy. Yeah, you do get to see Billy. I didn't like Billy, so I didn't care when he died. I kind of liked Ed. <laughs> And let's see, favorite scene. I think my favorite scene is in Charlie's bedroom. Okay. When um, Jerry's giving him the choice. Uh huh. Like you forget about me, and I'll forget about you. Really? I think that might be my favorite scene. Wow. Okay. So, how about you?
1: Let's see, favorite quote. Gee, I wonder what it could be. (laughs) You're so cool, Brewster. I can't stand it. (laughs) I do. I. Yeah, I think you're right. That's everybody's favorite quote. Um, I did have another one picked out, but ultimately I forgot what it was. (laughs) It might be the dinners in the oven line because I I just enjoy it so much. Um, Favorite kill would also be Ed's. It's just it's the most epic of them I think. Well I mean you've
0: only got two to choose from so. Three. <laughs> there's three. <laughs> so there's a 33.5% chance that you were gonna pick that well, one.
1: Well let's be honest Jerry just kind of goes up in flames.
0: Yeah he really does.
1: And I would say runner-up would be Billy's. Billy's death is pretty cool too. I
0: think Billy's is good from a technical standpoint but you don't get attached to Billy in this film. Like you get attached to Jerry and you get attached to Ed.
1: I don't know that you have to be attached to somebody to enjoy their kill. I mean how many Friday the 13th killed? Did we go, oh, that's gnarly. Well, I
0: know, but these, uh, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I just, yeah.
1: So Billy's for me would be runner up because yeah. like you said, technically it is a, it's very well done. Yeah, it is and well done. And it's another one that is drawn out very long. So but yes, I'm just, I'm going to have to give it to Ed for definitely. Um, Favorite scene of the movie is definitely the nightclub scene.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry. Do you know how many women have come up to Chris Arandon and told him that that was their favorite scene of the movie? How many women are in love with Chris Arandon because of that one scene?
0: That's the scene they think about when they're alone at night.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. But I love it. I love how when it first starts, you just have your meek little Amy, and then all of a sudden he does this spin turn and bam, she's woman. You know, she gets
0: makeup on, she gets she's, her hair did.
1: She's very like, I gotta hand it to Amanda Beer. She she got really fine all of a sudden in that movie. Like uh at the point where she's in that white dress, she's very sexy. Um even before they put the prosthetic boobies in there, like she looked really good. She had like amazing shoulders, and I was like, damn, she she's pretty hot. <laughs> so but I yeah, I love how all of a sudden she matches him appearance wise and then when he you know he'll do a move like run his hand up her leg or the way she grabs his ass and he pulls her close to him like it's so so very intensive a scene But I also like where she kind of snaps out of it long enough that she can see her reflection and see that she's dancing with no one. It's really cool. It was very well done. So um, runner up would probably be their love scene by the fire or the bite scene. I also really enjoy that.
0: (laughs) So now we just need Chef from South Park I know, I'm I'm a typical girl. (laughs) Lay you down by the fire.
1: So, yeah, that, those are going to be my picks. So, Travis, what did you love and hate?
0: Oh, love and hate. I don't think there's anything I hated about it. I don't know if there's anything I, I would say I like. I wouldn't say I love it. I like the acting mm-hmm. overall. Um, like I said, this story is serviceable, not to be a dick about it. And just there was anything really original about it that jumped out at me. I think that's it. I think I just, I like the acting. I think it, it's the characters that made the film. And so I would say I like what each person brought uh, to the overall execution. Okay. I think it, it's, it, it was a, com- they got ju- they got the dream team for it, right? Mm-hmm. They managed to get all the right people in the right places to make this thing work. Um, but you change any one of those people out and it wouldn't work anymore. You know, it's kind of like Predator. Mm-hmm. Like they got the exactly, exactly the right group of guys to make that movie work. And if you switch one of them out, then eh, it doesn't really work work as much anymore Mm -hmm. you know and i feel like that's kind of what they got here so i think that would be it would probably be my my loved part i guess would be the casting in this film that they they really got it they nailed it Mm -hmm. and then the performance is turned in by those people okay how about you
1: uh i would say as far as loved i have to put uh roddy mcdowell at the top of that list I love that this was something that he got to come back from and or come back to and, and give this performance. I think he's really underrated as an actor. So it just made my heart so happy to see him doing something else before his death. Um, I love the, the special effects. I know Travis said they weren't eh, but I, I love them. I think it was very well acted. I think everything that we've already talked about as far as what we love about it, all of that. Um, if I'm going to have any complaints complaints at all. I will say that I do wish Charlie's mom had been fleshed out just a little bit more um, and it there for me there are a little bit of pacing issues there are parts where it does lull a little bit for me. It doesn't take away from my enjoyment of the movie, but there's definitely a couple of spots where it slows down a little bit and you're kinda of like, uh, I kinda of hope I stay awake a little bit in it. But again, that doesn't take away my enjoyment of it whatsoever. Um, other than that, I really don't have a lot of complaints. Everything else would be nitpicky bullshit. There's little continuity errors here and there. Um, Like at the beginning when Amy is taking off her shirt, if you look, she's sitting with her shirt all the way down where her, her bra is showing. And then when you look in the next shot, her shirt's pulled back up and then it'll go back and her shirt's down again. And so, but it's, it's nitpicky, you know, it's just little shit like that. But other than that, it's i i love it
0: what other movie was it like that we oh it was uh right the 13th it,
1: part five new beginning the sweater the magic disappearing and reappearing sweater and
0: deathgasm too oh okay the scene on the bench like she's got a sock there's no sock the socks pulled up the socks pushed down uh-huh like in every scene yeah there was something wrong with the sock and the same thing with the sweater yeah makes you wonder if they do that shit on purpose i don't
1: think they do i just i don't think they notice it. if they're just like
0: the editors fuck it <laughs> <laughs> i'm not telling them.
1: All right, Travis. Marry, fuck, or kill? Friday uh, right night.
0: Uh, fuck it. I'm not gonna marry it. Look, like, I, I like it, but I don't like it that much. Okay. How about you?
1: Uh, it's a marry for me. It I is knew one it that would be. It is one that I keep in regular rotation. Uh I didn't used to, but it's still I don't know that we've watched anything yet since we have started this rating system that I consider to be unicorn status yet. Um, because there there is above Mary for me and that is unicorn status. Um a lot of those movies we've already covered, <laughs> like Hellracer that are in Predator that obviously get unicorn, but uh this is definitely a Mary for me. It's in regular rotation. If it's on I'm gonna watch it, quote it, you know, have some private, alone, sexy time with it, that kind of thing. <laughs> I'm kidding. She's not. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I I love this movie. So Travis, next week. Next week, we are doing a request. We are. So, did you make a decision? Because we were kind of given two options. Did I did. I made
0: made a decision.
1: Okay, so Lala Thomas, our our very, very good friend, has made a request between Dolls and Dolly Dearest. Travis, what did you choose since it is your week?
0: I decided that you should pick.
1: Oh my god! No, it's your choice.
0: Uh, I think Dolls.
1: So, our second Stuart Gordon movie. So, perfect.
0: That's not why I picked it. I picked (laughs) Dolls because I think I've seen that one before okay I've never seen Dolly Dearest like I know I've never seen Dolly Dearest but I'm pretty sure I've seen dolls once. okay great
1: and then we will follow that up the following week with yet another film request and that's coming to our front coming from our friends William and Zena Rush but you'll have to stay tuned to find out what that is so until then I'm Ashley
0: and I'm Travis
1: thank you for listening to Dead and Married take care guys
0: bye what would you do to save the life of a teenage boy if you subscribe to our patreon for just three to ten dollars a month you can get aiden out of the industrial sized hamster wheel we use to power our show for that you'll get access to bonus content and allow me to remove aiden's handcuffs he doesn't run worth shit with them on anyway also be sure to show your support on our social media pages you can find us on twitter as travisl80 and spookymom83 thank you for your consideration